This week on episode 476 of Priority One, we trek out terrestrial trek, Chris Pine's pining, Takei's rapier wit, why James McKinnon loves bananas, and Bob Picardo's newest role. In gaming news, we're joined by a community member of Star Trek Online to share his story. Additionally, we look at mobile games for updates on timelines. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 476 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, September 1st, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, September 4th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. I'm Tony. And in our audio booth is our chief engineer, Skiffy. Hello. Guys, thank you so very much for holding down the fort while I was away last week. You guys did a fantastic job doing the show. I did, in fact, listen to it, uh, and you guys did great. So thank you all, and thank you to Jake behind the scenes for making sure everybody had their assignments. And thank you. And actually did them. And actually did them. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, Elio, for coming back. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you. He can't leave for more than a week at a time. You know that. That's true. Without your support, none of this would be possible. Without your tyrannical leadership, none of this would be possible. That's a strong word. I'd say overbearing. Cuban overlord. Let's let's leave tyrannical. Overbearing. Overbearing, yeah. With with a hint of benevolence. Yeah, well, you don't want to be too benevolent (laughs) or else, again, nothing would get done. Captains, every week between episodes, we love to engage in conversations with you, our listeners, on places like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you aren't already following us on any of those, be sure to look us up. There we post things like community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite social media app and you will find us. Or, you know, you can email us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Captains, one of the things that I missed over the week, let's face it, I really didn't pull away from my phone because I really, all of us, really enjoy engaging with you throughout the week. But in order to continue to produce the show and have the tools necessary to develop a production you've come to expect each and every week, we have to turn to you, our listeners. Because with your support on Patreon.com, we can continue to produce the quality content you've come to expect from week to week. Plus, we do our best to offer you some awesome incentives, including a show dedicated just to our patrons. Now, speaking of patrons, I know you guys said a big shout out, but Teacher Guy, who's been active with us on our live streams on Tuesday nights, last Tuesday, subscribe to become a patron. So thank you again on behalf of everyone. Your support during, especially during these difficult times, is just really humbling. So thank you so much. Thanks, Teacher Guy. If financial support isn't in the cards, don't forget about sharing our show to all your friends. Hit that like, retweet, and or share button when you come across one of our posts, or perhaps you'd like to join the team. And captains, we're looking for new volunteers to join the production. Specifically, we're looking for audio and video editors. 
For more information, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com or you can email us and that address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Back in 1998, a year before the introduction of TiVo, NBC ran a summer campaign promoting their reruns of popular television programming. The slogan, Because if you haven't seen it, it's new to you. Seems as relevant now as it was in the VHS recording Nightmare Times of 1998. Why, you ask? Because if you held out on watching Star Trek Discovery due to CBS All Access subscription costs, well then you'll have a brand new to you Star Trek very, very soon. On Wednesday, August 26, CBS released its revised fall lineup. The original CBS schedule featured fan favorites, including NCIS and Young Sheldon, as well as newcomers like Chuck Lorre's Be Positive and Queen Latifah's The Equalizer reboot. Due to COVID-19 restrictions, CBS pivoted towards reality TV and previously non-broadcast programming to fill the gaps. One of these non-broadcast programs is, as we implied already, Star Trek Discovery's first season. CBS Entertainment President Kelly Call said of the revised lineup, quote, This is hardly a traditional fall season, but we are prepared with a strong slate of original content while our regular scripted series begin production. Based on our current timeline, we hope to start rolling out our previously announced fall series as they become available in November. End quote. So when will you be able to catch Discovery over the air? Starting Thursday, September 17th, Discovery will air from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. following the popular Big Brother and Love Island. I can't help but think that this is not good, right? That CBS is doing this not just because of COVID, but because they're, they're struggling to get subscriptions. Like, that's what it seems like to me. My read here is that All Access is covering the broadcast people's butt. I feel like they don't have anything to show. There's no content. There's about to be a very serious content, lack of new content. So they're just trying to fill some fill some spots. Yeah, that's what I gather out of this too. It won't hurt their All Access subscriptions because if anything, it'll entice people to subscribe to see what happens next in season two. I mean, of the ones to show to the general public for free on, you know, broadcast TV, maybe they want to earn more fans, but I don't think they're trying to drive people to subscribe. I think they just need to put content on the air that people will watch. I agree that the subscription driving is a nice ancillary perk that may occur. But I, I really think they're all the networks are struggling for new content to air. And don't forget that Discovery, the first two shows were already broadcast once. They were that's when they premiered. Just the pilot, just the first. The second one, you had to subscribe to CBS All Access to watch, following the terrestrial over-the-air premiere of the first episode. The first episode was the till two-hour thing, though, right? No, the first episode ended just as Burnham gets thrown in the brig. And then for the rest of the story where we Jojo dies and whatnot, then that all happens. Oh, spoilers. Oh, please. If, <laughs> if anybody watching this has not watched Discovery yet, I'd be real surprised. Well, they're about to see it on broadcast, so you just spoiled it. Yeah, for you just spoiled the broadcast. Way to go. I guess. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. If you haven't seen it, it's new to you. <laughs> all right, so how about this? Let's talk about this for a second. It has to air late at night from 10 to 11 because of FCC rules and enforcements about the material Klingon boobs in Star Trek Discovery, right? The fact that they're afraid of boobs. Children will be watching. Yeah. I don't think the bo does boobs happen in first season. I think boobs ha Klingon boobs happen in second season. Uh, 
no, first season. Oh yeah. Oh, and the and the torture bits that's in there too. Yeah, and um, the F word, you know, with Tilly. Yeah, you can't say that. It's in there. Right, right. All the things that they said were taking advantage of the fact that this isn't for broadcast. Look, we can do it. Look at all the cool things we can do because it's not for broadcast. Well, guess what, kids? But I feel bad, right? I feel bad that kids can't watch Star Trek, right? I think we've had this conversation before, and here it is now really, really in your face that Star Trek Discovery cannot air on terrestrial television without it being late at night where it's more likely that kids are going to go to bed. Well, fortunately, kids have their own season, their own series coming soon. Lower Decks! No, the Nickelodeon one. No, Prodigy. Sorry, the other one cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That leads us to our first community question this week. Will you be watching Star Trek Discovery on CBS? Is this your first time viewing the series? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I will say this, it's going to be interesting to see the television edits. But moving on to other types of Trek, Star Trek legend and Twitter connoisseur William Shatner has a history of changing his mind. He wants to play Kirk, Kirk's story's already told. He loves his co-stars. He has problems with his co-stars. He wants to go to space. Well, no, he still wants to go to space. That one's a bad example, but you see where we're going. Now, what about the other actor who's played Starfleet's youngest captain, Chris Pine? We ask because this week on August 27th, the new podcast, Things Are Going Great For Me with Claude Deering, launched with an interview with A-lister Chris Pine. During the interview, the 40-year-old actor discussed his newest film, Wonder Woman 1984, partying with his mom, and of course, Star Trek. If you're a fan of Kelvin Trek, what he had to say was heartening. I haven't heard any, I mean, I get these questions all the time. I'm like the last person to find anything out. So I've heard Tarantino was gonna do one, and then uh, who's it, Noah Hawley was gonna do something mm-hmm. else, and then that fell through, and then he's gonna do something with the Discovery, the new Alex Kurtzman-led cast. So I really don't know. I, I, you know, I know that Paramount is, is kind of coming out of having restructured a bit and kind of a major corporate restructuring. So hopefully when all that dust settles something, concrete will come out of it and we'll get to work. I'd love to do it. If you're a Calvin fan, well, that's great news. And it brings us back to Pine's convictions. His interview was recorded in April of this year. So if he is prone to changing his mind like his fellow Kirk actor, who knows where he stands today? Be sure to follow the link in our show notes to listen to the full interview on that episode of Things Are Going Great For Me. Another social media guru, straight out of Connie, had some interesting things to say about his time on Star Trek and whether or not he'd be interested in a return. Though we shouldn't call it a comeback, he's been here for years. George Takei, Star Trek's own Hikaru Sulu, sat down with StarTrek.com and discussed his favorite episode of Star Trek's original series. Takei cited the Naked Time, saying, quote, I love being unchained from that damn console. Episode after episode, there I am. They may have given me promotions from lieutenant to becoming lieutenant commander and then commander, but I'm still there at that same console saying, aye aye sir, warp three. Well, at least in that episode, I showed them that I had a life beyond just aye aye sir, warp three. I can fence. End quote. Takei also revealed some onset drama regarding that episode, telling Bex April May, quote, Well, the fencing was an important scene, and I didn't know how to fence either. 
I had to take formal fencing lessons a couple of weeks before we were to shoot that. Jimmy Dewan, who played Scotty, was a very perceptive person. He heard the sound of my stamping and panting and huffing and puffing and walked all the way from the opposite end of the soundstage. Just as I'm lunging, he appears behind the flat and I miss him literally by inches from his nose. He was shocked and startled and went rushing back to the set complaining to the assistant director, George just assaulted me with his fencing foil, end quote. For more of the interview with the ever-entertaining George Takei, including what he thought Star Trek VI should have been called and whether or not he would return as Sulu, check out the link in our show notes. I never knew that uh, there was fan petitioning for a dedicated Sulu series following Star Trek VI. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, it was, you know, Christian Slater was there. I would have watched it. I wonder what that would look like today in today's television. You know, like it was a nice Sulu story arc. Well, you just get, get John Cho and then just the pieces just fall into place. And then you're done. Yes, that, get John Cho. Um, those are nice anthology-like stories that I would love to see come out of uh, come out of CBS All Access. But it's too bad they couldn't have done like a mini series or, you know, something creative with with some of those characters, the other characters. Well, it is Emmy season and there's lots of for your considerations going about including Star Trek's This time, Sci-Fi Wire spoke with a behind-the-scenes star, department head prosthetics and special makeup effects, James McKinnon. And, as it turns out, McKinnon is in front of the camera as well. The five-time Emmy winner and this year's nominee for his role as makeup director on Star Trek Picard talked about his secret weapon. And it's bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Quote, Bananas are my go-to for inside flesh. When you slice somebody open, it's fatty tissue and other layers of stuff. If you sculpt as deep as possible and add a little bit of banana, little chunks of banana with a little bit of fake blood, it makes it look like fatty tissue. So I always have a banana in the trailer every day, just in case you need a little bit of meaty tissue, end quote. Or a snack. Or a snack. Lots of potassium. It's good for you. McKinnon also talked about his time in front of the camera and how it affects interactions with the fans, saying, quote, My assistants, Richard and Alexi, slipped me in during lunch because we didn't want production to wait. Our lunch break is 45 minutes. And this makeup usually takes an hour and a half, but we pounded through. I'm a very TNG-looking Borg, so it's a bit of a throwback, end quote. Check out the full article by following the links in our show notes. Well, you know, it's you're, you're you're believing your work if you're willing to put yourself through it, subject yourself to it, right? It's like a cook that won't eat at his own restaurant, right? You know, you don't ever want to see that. So if it's a makeup guy, it's like, yeah, put me in the makeup. You know, you know it's solid. Absolutely. While we're talking about the Borg and Picard, I want to point out that XBs, I think, are some kind of a joke with Alex Kurtzman and Akiva Goldsman because if you watch Fringe, the fifth season, the fourth and fifth season, the child that they are protecting and that is going to save the space-time continuum is referred to as XB and then a series of numbers. Because doesn't JJ have this ongoing thing with Red Matter, like some kind of, like, Red Matter is always an ongoing plot device in his stories? I'm starting to wonder if XB was done on purpose with some kind of inside joke with Fringe and the creation of Fringe. You'll know if a smoke monster monster and a crashed jet airliner show up in the next season of Discovery. Good point. You'll know for sure. Good point. 
Finally this week, we want to mention that former Star Trek doctor and all-around great science ambassador Robert Picardo has landed a new role on the Kickstarter film To Meet the Faces You Meet. From the Kickstarter page, the synopsis states, quote, The military thought they had created the ultimate weapon, a soldier linked symbiotically with an artificially intelligent spaceship with the ability to project illusions so real that they cannot be distinguished from reality. Together, Frizz and Mead become the most deadly fighting force the world had seen. There was one problem. An errant bit of programming instilled Mead with a conscience and pacifist tendencies that made him and his human symbiote useless for military purposes. Scheduled for decommission, Frids and Mead go on the run, pursued by bounty hunters and an admiral with a personal axe to grind. End quote. Picardo will play Admiral Gillette, the antagonist of the film, and other stars include Patton Oswalt and Patrick Warburton. We'll have a link to the Kickstarter in our show notes. Patrick Warburton? I haven't heard that name in ages. But he's awesome. Did you guys ever watch the series of Unfortunate Events on Netflix? No. It's good. Oh, so good, so good, and and he's and Warburton's so good, and he plays the like the narrator, to, and he's just a character as well as it's just, really good. Well, captains, that's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Cisco. Authorization: Cisco Alpha One Alpha. Logs accessed. Captains, this week for Star Trek Gaming, we have a very important story to tell. While I was away on vacation, we had a player post onto our Facebook page a screenshot of a boilerplate message that came from Perfect World Cryptic Support. And in that boilerplate message, it had explained that his ship name was automatically renamed because it violated the terms of service of the game itself. The name of the ship was not offensive. It was not vulgar, did not hurt anybody. It was the USS Black Lives Matter. So when I saw the post, I I didn't want to out this player. I didn't want to out George. I didn't want to out you. So I made a, a sort of cryptic tweet. Haha, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah. We've used that joke a lot over the years. <laughs> we do. Where I had said something along the lines of, okay, so you can have a ship name like the USS Snowflake, a player named after a horrible Nazi doctor, or a ship named after a horrible Nazi soldier, but you can't have something like Black Lives Matter. So things were resolved, and we'll get to that part momentarily, but now I want to introduce our guest, the player who reached out to us. George, thank you for coming on to the show, and... Thank you for being willing to tell your story and to share a little bit about yourself to us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> when I reached out to you to get a little bit more information, a lot more information actually, about what had <laughs> happened and what transpired, you know, we had we had a really good conversation. You know, it was m really moving, and I kind of want to start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how Star Trek has played a role in your life. Well, I'm I'm originally from Chicago, South Side Chicago, Illinois, and I. Went to the Navy, joined the Navy at 18, right after high school. Did my four, got out. As anyone can tell you, it's not really easy to make that transition, so I fell into some some hardships. Finally found my groove with with a little bit of IT, or, or you know, well, actually, I worked a lot of different jobs. I worked for Home Depot, and Lowe's, land flooring, doing plumbing. But I found myself into working IT a little bit, doing, you know, entry-level IT, and I ended up working for the Securities Exchange Commission as a uh, help desk technician, call center type thing. 
doing pretty well. And then I got into a little bit of trouble with, uh, with the law. I was accused of breaking into someone's home and stealing their car. They made the police report. The, poli- the police contacted me and I went in and they arrested me immediately. And then, of course, being in jail for about three to four months like I was, you're going to lose your job. I lost my job. I lost my home. I lost a lot of my, um, I lost everything I had. The only thing I had when I came out of jail um, was a book bag that I went in with. I was found not guilty after all of that, but I was still homeless. And it was that, it was then that I found Star Trek. You know, I'm a latecomer. I didn't watch it when I was a kid because Southside of Chicago, black kid on Southside of Chicago, you didn't watch Star Trek. That, that's just not what we did. <laughs> but uh, as an adult in my 20s, I found Star Trek and I found Geordie LaForge, which uh, was is my all-time favorite character on Star Trek and he was the ship's engineer and I emulated him I wanted to be him and it really gave me the the motivation to keep going and to really try to become what I am now which is a system administrator I lived in group homes I did whatever I had to do but Jordy LaForge that vision of Star Trek and what it meant to me about, you know, people, you know, there was no money in Star Trek. So people just was doing, wanted to be successful just to be successful. They wanted to be successful because they could, not because they can make a lot of money or get a whole bunch of notoriety. It was just because they wanted to better themselves. And I really took to that coming from where I came from. And after going through all of that, I can say now that I, I owe it all. This is not something I'm trying to gas up. I really owe my success to the ideals that Star Trek put forth. You know, I worked out, I, I went to watching DS9, I watched the original series, I watched Enterprise, I watch it all. And so, uh, you know, but I owe my life right now because I, I it could have gone a lot differently. I was upset when I got out of jail. I was like, oh, you know, a black guy can't really get a, a doesn't really have a chance out here. It was, it was really one of those situations that if, if you go through it, you kind of tend to lose hope in humanity almost. You lose confidence in the system. The system yeah. doesn't work for you. <laughs> actually, actually, for me, it was it was so far beyond the system because it was like, okay, no matter what I do, I'm not going to be given a chance. Like, you know, I went to the police called me after I, you know, it was, it was an ex-girlfriend. She told them that I broke into her house. When we went to court, when I had my final day in court, we found out that the detective never even went to the house to see if someone had broken in. They just <laughs> saw me and literally, you know, they revoked my bond. I couldn't get bond. I couldn't afford to get out. So, and I didn't really have any family that could help me. So it was pretty much like I was at the mercy of the court. I was offered um, plea deal after plea deal. <laughs> Take this felony. You can get out tomorrow. But I was like, I've already lost everything. What do I have to lose? So, you know, um, I can really see how, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, all of these, with the Black Lives Matter movement, when it comes to Black and me, what I'm in it for is not necessarily just for the people that are getting shot and the most horrific aspects of what police, some police, not all, but some police do. But it's what this system does to poor people, not just black people, poor people. I say Black Lives Matter because those are my people. But it's more so about, you know, change in how the system treats the less fortunate, the people that cannot cannot really afford to to help themselves you know because when you get thrown in there you're just a number you are literally just a number and it's disheartening it can really 
I worked for the Securities Exchange Commission. I had a security clearance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you know, and I took that as a badge of honor when I went to talk to the police. I said, okay, I have my credentials. I have my work ID. Yeah, you know, I had all this stuff. You're yeah. a veteran. No. I mean, you're. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Honorably discharged. Uh, un- yeah. All of that goes out the window when someone has a view of you, you know, whether it's because of how you look or the company you keep or what they think that you've done. And I don't blame my ex-girlfriend. I've gone through a lot of anger. And even now, I can't really afford the therapy, I guess, people would need, you know, to, 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 to get through all of this. So Star Trek was my therapy. When I got out and everything was going Falling, falling all around me. Back then, Star Trek, you could watch Star Trek on YouTube. <laughs> That's yeah. how I watched it. You know, people would upload whole oh, episodes. Oh, the good day, the good old days, yeah. Oh, yeah, those yeah. were the good old days. Yeah. When in real life, the system is designed to be against you in so many ways, we turn, we often turn to some form of escapism, right? right? I'm grateful to hear that yours happened to be Star Trek because... Yes. You know, uh, you know, my own mother, heroin addict, you know, people turn in different directions. You found something to grasp onto through Star Trek, which is fantastic and moving, which makes it this next point even more important, the need for representation. And, you know, we've heard stories like this when, when someone like Nichelle Nichols gets on stage or LeVar Burton about, you know, people like us, just like us walking up to them saying it, it meant so much to me, right? <laughs> representation entertainment as a form of escapism this is why representation matters this is why it's important that people of color are seen on screen so talk to us a little bit more about how you know we we spoke on the phone a little bit we spoke on the phone for quite a bit um last Mm -hmm. week you know we were talking you you know you shared thank you for sharing your story thank you so Mm -hmm. very much thank you yes very moving way after when I became stable and, you know, um, my son would come and stay with me and, you know, we, he, he's a gamer. I'm a gamer. We all, we, we game. And when I, I actually knew when Star Trek first came out, I couldn't afford to get it. Cause that's when the gaming was going online and you had to pay all this money. And I'm like, uh, I'm not going to be able to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, ah, the um, subscription days. Oh yeah. But Hey, but I've been playing Star Trek online for maybe the past, maybe, when I first started, it was off and on. I was like, oh, let me try this. I did the free account. I've been paying it for like five years now. In those five years, I've spent an exorbitant amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Join the club. Join yeah. the spent club. Way more money than should possibly. But before I, before I say that, I, I just want to say one more thing. I'm from a place called Ford Heights, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago, south side of Chicago. What you said about representation is very important because I come from a town where their entire police department was arrested for corruption. The entire town? The entire police department. The entire police department. Um, and I'm not saying that to say well, all police are bad, but when I was as, as, a, as a young black African-American kid growing up, when my first job at 12 years old was a police officer giving me a backpack to take the backpack from one corner to a, down the street, down the block, on my way to school to another corner. Oh, that was the, my first interaction with the police. Oh, my they mother handed you a backpack. Yeah. Now I can't tell you what was in the backpack. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, because I was too you... scared to look into the backpack. Well, that's <laughs> you know, just this smart was the move. police. Yeah. But, but my right. mom had always told you, you know, you don't call. You know, I come from a household where my mom, my grandmother, a lot of black kids are taught 
you don't call the police if something's wrong. Hmm. That's just what you, you don't do it because the police are not there necessarily to protect you. They're there to, to control. And what I've been seeing on YouTube, now as, as I'm an adult, I see the need for the police. But with all the protests that I've been in, that have been all peaceful, but all of the upheaval, even the police representation matters for the police. I need to see more police. Like I, I posted a video recently of the police walking up to po protesters, shaking their hands, kneeling as a symbolic gesture and joining in to say, hey, we're with you. We understand. We want to make this change as well. We want to see accountability because you, your community matters as well. So representation matters in, to, to that point. I, I, you know, I didn't want to get off of that. I just, I just thought it was important to share that. It's not like Black Lives Matters out here just, you know, making a whole bunch of unrealistic demands. It's like, okay, I want to trust the police, but you have to understand why I don't, why I can't necessarily just take it for chance that I can trust someone that's supposed to protect me, but my life has shown me that <laughs> there no. are plenty of options the system yeah, yeah the system should be fair exactly for not just certain not just certain exactly. people it should be fair and for everybody and it's not just a white and black thing so i believe it's a it's a it's a economic thing you know look, it's, a poor white guy yeah. can Absolutely. get railroaded just as much as i can right. you know what i mean it's a systemic failure from the top down exactly it is systemic. Exactly. It's it's the cops not living in the neighborhoods they patrol, not living in even the city limits. You, to me, you don't have to live there. If you if if the if the police look it, when I when I'm in my neighborhood, South South Chicago, when I go I go back home. If I'm stopped by the police, I know for a fact that they're automatically going to think I did something wrong. Even if I you know maybe if I, I I was speeding a little bit or not that I made a mistake, I'm doing something wrong. So I already know I'm going to be searched. <laughs> I already know they're going to keep me there. They're going to search the car. They're going to try to find something else because of the neighborhood that I that I that I'm from and what I look like. I've been through this before. I was living in Richmond, Virginia, and waiting outside my my girlfriend's job with our dog, and five squad cars pulled up on me. They took my dog to the pound <laughs> while they waited to see if I had a background, you know, something within my background, and you know, and then they said they apologized. But then they said I had to go to the pound to get my dog. I said, no, you're going to bring my dog back. But I didn't do anything. I was just, and someone called the police. And the two lawyers in this podcast are just shaking their heads going, <laughs> what the? And this is the right. thing. Wow. This is the thing. Wow. I, I, at the time, I was probably around maybe, what, 24, 25? And this is the issue. The issue is I don't know the law. I don't know, you know, people, you hear people on TV say, you know, I know my rights. You can't do this. I don't know. Like, if I say that, I could piss this police officer off. Right. The costs of asserting those rights may be a lot more than you'll get in the eventual lawsuit, maybe, theoretically, exactly. down the road. Exactly. I mean, yeah. my lawyer, my, my court-appointed lawyer told me, you know, after I was found not guilty about the burglary charge, my lawyer told me, there's a lawsuit here. Whether you want to pursue it or not, right. he gave me that advice. Yeah. The problem is, I couldn't afford a lawsuit. They'd hold me up in court for so long. I had to get my life together because at that point I was homeless. So yeah. it's like, do I go to court and, you know, fight this or do I try to get my life together, which took me a couple years after that because, yeah. again, I had to wait for the court systems to get all that stuff off my record because I was going through, you know, I was right. going our I government mean, contracts. The upheaval. <laughs> yeah, the upheaval in your life. to Exactly. Oh. It's, 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 
if so that's what that's why that's why i joined the movement it wasn't am i against looting yes i am i'm against all the horrible things that happen when people are emotional and people are pushed to the edge and they and they act out of anger i'm against all of that but i understand the frustration it's like what are we supposed to do what else is it gonna take (laughs) for anything to change what i mean yeah yeah, it's very frustrating. So George, so you find you and your son, you know, are gamers and mm-hmm. you know, you've discovered Star Trek. It's kind of been an inspiration to you, a motivation for you. Tell us a little bit about being a part of yeah. Oh, he's in the game and for for yep. those of you watching, he's he's got the game on the uh, I watch you guys and nice. I play Star Trek online. That's that's what I do. So, tell t- Me too. Talk to me a little bit about the the community, right? Being a part of a gaming community like Star Trek Online, being a part of the Star Trek community as a whole. Have you been to conventions? Have you made other Trekkie friends? And then, and that's in real life, right? And then, mm-hmm. then bringing it back to the gaming community and specifically the gaming community in Star Trek Online. I I have not been fortunate enough to make it to any any conventions. To be honest with you, they're quite expensive <laughs> for me to to yeah. To, it's not something I can. I, now I've, I've been saving up. This was the year I was going to go, but unfortunately we had, you know, all that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, maybe next year, hopefully next year, I plan on buying a, a, a uniform and going to the convention full. And Uniforms full are optional. I just want you I to understand know that. Just, just be sure. Like, okay, all right. But you're like, like there. If I'm you're going, going. I'm going it, style. It's my first time. <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it right. You can't you can't bring that up without me wondering what uniform version would you choose? Engineering. But oh, no, okay, so TNG engineering. Well, you're not. Yeah, it's the Jordy thing. He's going. He's getting the two and a half pips, right? Yep. He's doing yes. two and a half. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I will definitely. Nice. Do you remember the first episode that you? The first episode that, that I saw, with, I believe it was the one where Jordy LaForge, it was the the space baby, the space entity. That was oh, attacking. Yeah, where they uh, did, they had to the, fix the milk. Yeah, it, yeah, and yeah, they had to try to yeah, fix yeah, yeah, him, him with Leah Brom. They had to fear. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then I try to go back and watch the first episode of Star Trek, and maybe I should have just started from where I was. Yeah, yeah. You should have just started. Yeah, yeah. Like, and when I went back, I was like, wait a minute, that's this is not the same. Where was the good stuff? More, the other one was kind of fun. was all weird. You're like, where's? <laughs> His hair is yeah, he short. had this big like it, it literally looked like they just glued him. Where'd that blonde lady come from? <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, but, yeah, I, but I powered through. I powered. That's through. right. Yeah, and you had to, you know, you gritted down. Yeah, I powered. Jordy's gonna be awesome here in a little while. Yes, I was gonna and, see it. It's gonna you, happen. And it was one hundred percent worth it. But back back to what you were saying, like you know, for me now I've made friends that are Trekkies. You know, um, I read the after reading the book uh, Trekonomics, which is. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I love that book. That's over. That's over. I, no thanks. I'm not interested. No. <laughs> I, well, let me put it. Not read. I I listen to the audio book. <laughs> okay. I think that still counts. <laughs> if I want to go to sleep, I will probably do that. <laughs> Dude, I, I I take I drive to Chicago. I drive back to Chicago for my mom and family all uh-huh. the time. So that's what I put on, and it doesn't need some road sleep, road. Yeah. Because I like what they talk about. But um, after reading that book, I like going into the forums, and I like talking to start to other Trekkies, we have really in-depth conversations about what the world could be, what what humanity could achieve. And that's what I love about the community. It's not just, oh, this is some great Star Trek. This is some great science fiction. It's okay, 
you have a society that have gotten rid of all of our major issues. Racism gone. They got rid of money. You know, everybody's there. They're just trying to make themselves better. And, you know, like it's just this great world that we're still learning from. And it gives me hope. It's like, okay, these are other Trekkies are like-minded individuals that believe in the best of humanity. You know what I mean? We live now where everybody's divided and we're, pet- we're squabbling over our little problems and this, that, and the other. But there is, we have, it gives me something to to look forward to and to strive for. And that's what I, that, that's what I see in the community. Whenever I log on to Star Trek Online, that's the world I enter. That's the world I enter. We're all captains. We're all <laughs> doing our thing. And we're maybe getting dilithium and we may be doing all these things, but we live in this world where we have met our our potential as a species. And that's a beautiful thing to me. I didn't have any interaction with white people until I went to high school. I was from an enclosed black community. And so growing up, it was kind of hard to talk to someone from a different culture. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like even as an adult, you know what I mean? And I was in IT and, and I would have to gear myself up to talk to someone from another culture. But when you watch Star Trek and you get in that world, everybody's all like, it's just a normal thing. Like, you know, hey, this is, I remember watching the original series when Abraham Lincoln came and he could not, Uhura could not understand why she, why Abraham Lincoln was what apologizing was. For, yeah. for, for the way he yeah. was speaking. And it was so alien to her that, you know, right. he may have had racial undertones. That's the world People I'm make a be. big deal about the first kiss, but I think that was probably a bigger deal. For me, that was that was a bigger yeah. deal. Like I said, kissing yeah. a, a, you know, that was taboo at the time. But right. to see this society that did not even recognize racism, like it was kind of alien to them. That's right. where I feel like we can that we can get. And Star Trek may not be perfect, but it's a great blueprint. It's a hell of an improvement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> So let me ask you, all right, being in in the game community, Star Trek Online, right, Mm -hmm. you would expect that a majority of the community would share in those ideals, share in a future of equality, Mm -hmm. social justice. Mm -hmm. And yet, when you log into Star Trek Online, I mean, you know, all you need is five or six minutes in in zone chat (laughs) to see some horrible things and people saying some horrible things, right? So. George Floyd was murdered and you know we're a small little podcast and we did our thing you know we said players you know just three that give us three days don't mm-hmm. log out mm-hmm. because we're at a we're at a crossroads we're at a po- maybe not a crossroads but we're at a point where silence can send a very wrong message right and so we took cryptic to task mm-hmm. you know we said listen as a massively multiplayer online game with a community that can behave much like the wild west mm-hmm. <laughs> We think it's important that a statement be made to make it clear that racist, vitriolic nonsense will be squashed when seen and reported and when caught. Mm -hmm. What is your experience like in Star Trek Online and 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 then this will lead us into into how you and I started talking. Mm -hmm. What has your experience been in, in Star Trek Online and the community with respect to seeing some of the nonsense that can happen in Zone Chat, seeing people with horrible racist ship names floating around space and Earth space dock or, rant, or these character names that idolize Nazi war criminals? Mm-hmm. 
what is that like for you? What is what is that experience for you? And then what did you do to protest that? For for one thing, when I fly around in my shifts, all my shifts are named after um, African American leaders and historical figures. All of them. And I have a lot of ships. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, harken back to the whole I spent way too much money yeah. on this game. All right, all right, you got a lot of ships. Yeah, but like when I would see the Robert Lee Lee or the USS Nazi party. And, you know, like I've seen this and, you know, sometime I, I joined chat and because uh, like I have Thurgood Marshall and people will literally go out of their way. Some people will literally go out of their way. And I think, I think it's a very small percentage of people, but they go out of their way to kind of make a jab at me or, you know, this, that, and I'm not crying victim, you know, you take, you know, hey, and ignore them, you know what I mean? But when I saw all these people with all these different groups and all lives matter and blue lives matter, and I was like, well, okay, I'm going to represent the movement that I believe in, Black Lives Matter. I in no way was trying to say nobody else's lives didn't matter. I'm a black guy and I'm proud of that. And now, you know, and it's a movement that I joined because of my son and for, for change and things to get better. So I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this. this. This is a positive thing, right? Well, like you said, the disheartening thing was when after seeing all these other people name their ships, whatever they want, basically, and speak the certain way that they speak. I think it was like two or three days I had my ship, you know, named Black Lives Matter. And to get that email, you know, they said, you know, oh, you do this, you know, you're, you're, it doesn't, I think they tried to make it seem like, you know, I was, it didn't follow their guidelines or whatever the case may be for inflammatory content or whatever the case may be. George, if I can make a quick aside here real quick to the other lawyer on, on the on the podcast. Kat, did you notice any terms of service violations in- Yeah, that's what in, they call it. <laughs> in George's name, did that, did that strike strike you as any particular violation of any particular clause, fellow attorney? Absolutely yeah. not, Tony. I, I, I did, did not see anything in there that would that said that called that out at all. I didn't think no. I, I didn't think that was the case as well. <laughs> George, with your permission, I'd like the, the screenshot you shared with us. I mean, you shared it to our Facebook postings. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to share it on our show notes. By all means. Uh, and I'm going to read it out loud for you. It says, "Hello, the following Starship name is in violation of our terms of service." And then they put a link to the terms. USS Black Lives Matter. At this time, the inappropriate name has been reset, and you can change them the next time you log in. Please be aware that future violations can lead to disciplinary action on the account up to and including permanent account closures. Our guidance and policies were created to protect accounts and ensure that the game remains fair and fun for the entire community. Regards, Perfect World Entertainment. Yeah. Note, this is an automated message and replies will, be, will not be received. If you wish to contact us about this warning, you can submit a ticket through our support site listed above. So it's a, a message from Perfect World. It's not like you got a message from Mike Fatum or right. something. You got a, a boilerplate message. Right. And you said that you had the, the ship name for several days. So what that seems to translate to me is that it wasn't that the system flagged you. Mm. It wasn't an automated thing, but that some other dumbass player felt the need to report you. I don't mince words. I was going to say, or these, the, it could have been an automated message and they added Black Lives Matter to the list of it's unapproved names. The it's theoretically possible. It's theoretically possible. Based on the conversations I had when I named my ship Black Lives Matter and people would, you know, I, I got some people that were saying awesome names, ship, ship, and then I would get the other, the other spectrum. It's like, keep politics out of, out of Star Trek. I'm like, you do understand what Star oh Trek God. is, right? Like, <laughs> you've been watching, have you watched Star Trek? Like, you don't really, 
you know, right. if you watched during TNG, that whole thing was based on the Cold War. So I, I, I ignored it, that stuff until I got that email saying, that, hey, and I, that was my first thought, too. Somebody reported me. They didn't like that because a lot of people. Yeah. Some people are taking Black Lives Matter as I don't know. I, I don't know how they how they make the jump to say, you know, it's a it's it's a anarchist group and stuff like that. There have been riots and all this stuff like there was after Rodney King and everything else that, you know, when people are pissed off. The Black Lives Matter movement for me is a peaceful movement. It's had people try to take advantage and it had it had its downfall, but it's a peaceful movement. And anyone, to my, in my view, anyone that sees Black Lives Matter as a, a, a negative <laughs> movement is like, OK, so now I can't even say that my life matters in this country. Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, you know, you can love Robert e. Lee and I used to live in Richmond, Virginia, and they had parades, Confederate parades up and down the street. Hey, uh, they <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong here. I mean, my, my history's not so great. They lost that one, right? Yes, and and okay, all right. They, they, they lost. But they, you know I, what? History is history, and I I am of as long as you're not hurting anyone, you can you can celebrate any point in history you want. Celebrate celebrate slavery if you want to. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying we live in, in a country where you're supposed to have the right to express your views the way you wish. I'm not mad at you for that. But when you come and say, I can, I'm not allowed to do that, <laughs> now it's like, okay, well, for me, this means a lot to me. You know, my son, I have to tell my son, you know, how to act around the police because I know that there's a possibility, even if he does everything right, he can still end up shot. That's why I joined this movement because I have a 13-year-old son and I want things to change for him. So yes, the Black Lives Matter. When I when I name my ship that, and they send me that email, that hurt because I love yeah. Star Trek Online. That kind of hurt me. That's why I posted. I'm like, I wasn't gonna stop playing Star Trek Online. You know, I mean, I've had horrible things, disappointing things happen to me before. I'm a big boy, but it really did hurt me because again, Star Trek Online is so much of a Star Trek community to me. You expect better. Exactly. I don't expect. Did I did I expect them to be? Oh yes, you know, give me an award for it. Probably not. But I didn't expect right. them to try to to threaten me with banning my account, which I've spent. And I, you know, I'll tell you, I spent over three grand on this game over the course of the years that I've that I played it. I when I go through and look at all the the Zen I've bought, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've spent way more. You know, so it's like you know, for them to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we are. As a podcast, our decision to not cover Star Trek did not come from a place of malice or come from a place of anger. It came from a, 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 a need, a necessity to, to ask the gaming community and a, a specific game company that owns a specific license mm -hmm. in a specific franchise that has specifically been about creating morality plays that shed light on some of the darkest parts of our nature, including racism and social injustice. Mm -hmm. And I was relieved to see the response from Mike Fadum, who reached out about the situation. I, I posted it, I think, late at night, you know, on, on one night. And then the next day, I got several messages from various people at Cryptic wanting more information. But remember, Captains, the, the, the boilerplate message was signatured with Perfect World Entertainment. So Mike Fadum reaches out to me, he contacts me, we get on the phone, I give him an update. I do in fact ask him, hey, is there anything else that's gonna happen? And he said, no comment to our to our boycott, Priority One's boycott of the game, but he did want to make something abundantly clear that something as innocuous 
as Black Lives Matter is not something they are prepared or willing to silence in any way, shape or form. Mike told me about uh, an instance on the forums that somebody had a Black Lives Matter themed forum signature and that that there was a there was a group of players who refused to accept it. But no matter what, Mike was not bullied and did not yield to racist demands. So I'm proud of and always have been proud of the relationship that we've had with with Cryptic and and the members and developers at Cryptic Studios themselves because they were willing and prepared to step up to the plate and say no 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 this is in fact acceptable and we are going to change the way we respond to calls for social justice within the game especially when they're as innocuous as Black Lives Matter so thank you to Mike for reaching out, for calling me, for getting on the phone with me, chatting with me a little bit. And I'm glad that George, your 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 ship is no your account is no longer in danger. And I'm very grateful that you came onto the show to share your story, to talk about this with us, to talk about your relationship with Star Trek with us. It's an incredible story, man. You're an incredible guy. I'm so glad that we've made we've become friends on Facebook. I gotta say that that chicken that you made this last weekend i was really hungry and i, <laughs> I love man, to cook. i'm about to drive i'm about to drive down to virginia that came from captain cisco <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> i'd say i honestly i he, he actually got me into cooking oh nice yeah i actually I, so I actually i took classes and i actually it's my it's my it's my hobby now but i love to do it but can i say one thing before i go of course I, um i just want to thank you guys because um like i said um when I, I stopped watching the show for a while. I would listen to the podcast, but I stopped watching for the show. And and up and up until like I heard like a week or two before you the um, show you you could say that you guys had stopped covering STO. And I was like, oh no, that's how I get my news. <laughs> but uh, I was like, I understood and I was appreciative of it. And then after everything happened, I basically I just want to thank you guys for standing up for what you guys believed in. You know, and going to bat for me as much as you guys did. The, the podcast of a, as a whole, priority one as a whole, because it, it means a lot that not just I don't think my life matters, but, you know, the, there's a community of people that, you know, can, 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 that believe my life matters as well. And they're willing to stand up for that, what's right, you know what I mean? Regardless of how it may hurt them. And so, you know, and I'm, I'm appreciative to, to Perfect World and Star Trek Online for, yes, they didn't come out and say with a ship or a vanity shield that said, you know, this is in honor of Black Lives Matter. But when it counted, when they when they found out that, hey, this guy is being unfairly treated, they stood up to that. And they were like, I've had I have several ships now named Black Lives Matter, and I've had them for weeks since since you went to bat for me. And they haven't told, sent me not one email. And that means a lot to me. Because even if they won't say it, they at least allow it, giving me the platform that, you know what, my life does matter. And it, my ship is named that. So I really want to thank you guys. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, on that other show we do at the end of the show, we always say, you know, if no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. So <laughs> it's good to know that people, yeah, we, we, we got an ear out for, for you. And Trust me, I'm fanboying. On the inside, I'm fanboying. <laughs> No, thank you. All of you. We were both like, let me talk to some lawyers. This is, this is, I can read those terms of service. 
There's no. <laughs> Show me no. the claws. There's no claws. There's no claws here. <laughs> You've wronged my client, sir. I I definitely appreciate your words, man, and and um, thank you, and I'm humbled by them, really. Um, you know, but truth be told, you know, I I know I'm afforded so many privileges having light skin, man. I know I'm afforded it. But yo soy Latino, you know, I'm Cuban. My family's much darker than me and I worry about them, man. You know, it's it's a dangerous place we're living in right now. And it's important for all of us to not stay silent. Oh yeah. And to use whatever means we have at our disposal to stand up for what's right. You know, to stand up for the, the social equality that we need in, in, in this country, especially, and around the world. Well, it's a beautiful thing. I love this country. My, my girlfriend lives in Nigeria, um, and we have discussions all the time about the differences. <laughs> and I will tell you right now, despite all the horrific things we see and the, the, the spotting of bad cops and inequality, this is still one of the greatest countries in the world because there is the uh, potential for change for better. That's what makes us great as a country. You know, we continuously make ourselves, it may come through hardships and heartache and headache, but we steadily get better. Um, and that's one thing I love about this country. So you'll never, you know, as, as much crap as I've been through, I still love this this country. I still love it. And I, and I, and I, and I feel blessed to live in a place where, you know, this can exist. <laughs> <laughs> this this type of community can exist. Well, you're an inspiration to us all, George. Right? Your story is very powerful. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on and sharing that. And, and it was it was it was worth the wait of a week. Elliot was on vacation. <laughs> Don't go on vacation, Elliot. That's what it comes. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Thank you. Just you. gotta be on here when these when these things happen. Thank you very much for having me, you guys. I really this it's is our pleasure. And this our is this is no, definitely it was, it was really an honor having you. This has definitely made my the rest of my year. It's been a crappy year, but <laughs> this has made the rest of my year. Trust me. If if we are the high point in the year, this is a bad yeah. ride. <laughs> you, no, 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 because I'm a huge Star Trek fan. So for for this forum to invite me on is like a highlight for me. It's trust me. Uh. <laughs> Look, George, I really hope that we'll get to meet uh, one day in person at Most a convention. Yeah, or send me in game or come you know, to yeah. TFO oh. Thursday with the Priority One Armada. Oh, I, I'm I'm always you there. Are. I'm all, actually I won I won something on my you birthday. You did? That's awesome. Yeah, I oh, won a Lorca. Yeah, oh, so Lorca's yeah. oh, nice. my favorite. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, yeah, George, thank you again so very much, man. Thank, thank you. you for sharing your story. And like the late John Lewis said, man, we you know it's it's important to get in good trouble every once in a while to make sure that we we have a a, a solid future for our children and our children's children. Thank you so much. It means a lot. Thank you, George. <laughs> All right, I'll be in touch. Thanks, All right, thank you. Y'all have a good one now. You too. You too. Thanks, man. Take care. Welcome aboard, Captain. Congratulations. High score. Well, again, I want to thank George for coming on to the show and sharing his incredible story with us. Uh, we hope that you have found something in his story to take away and apply to your own way of life, not just in Star Trek Online, but elsewhere. Now, let's talk about some other games, shall we? 
From September 3rd through the 7th, Star Trek Timelines players will conclude their human Romulan history studies in the Restoration Hybrid Galaxy slash Skirmish event, the last chapter in the Capitoline Wolf Mega event. The ranked reward is sure to satisfy any player's vaulting ambitions, Her Most Imperial Majesty, and returning five-star crew member Emperor Georgiou. The new five-star Romulanister sister Narissa heads the event crew, along with five-star Captain Erica Hernandez, and returning four-star Rurapente Reed doing his best Patrick Bateman deep cut. Timelines also begins its Haunted Heroines campaign on September 3rd, featuring five-star Pawraith Keiko and four-star Tyran Possessed Kess. Disruptor Beam has yet to release details about the four-week events narrative. However, it's safe to say the current theme of confronting one's past isn't going away anytime soon. Scopely, the developer behind Star Trek Fleet Command, purchased Fox Next Games back in January, and that acquisition has led to a new announcement. As reported on website GameDaily.biz, Scopely have named former Fox Next president Aaron Loeb as their new chief business officer. Describing his position, Loeb said his responsibility is driving Scopely's core business of game services. Speaking to Game Daily, he said, quote, Somehow rooted in our industry's history, we came to a belief that that fun is the opposite of business. My experiences have taught me to recognize when done right, fun and business are a near total overlap. End quote. Wow. Game a game executive wanting people to have fun? I'm like, I have not found that to be uh, synonymous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not synonymous at all. All you need to do is give us your credit card number. <laughs> and we're all right. having fun. Yeah. <laughs> There's an overlap now. Loeb praises Scopely's fearless approach to creative game development. He goes, so far as singling out Star Trek Fleet Command, saying, quote, It's a game that was given the time and support it needed to achieve the greatness that the team knew was within their grasp. And today, it's one of the most, if not the most, deeply engaging games on mobile. End quote. Captains, this just in from Starfleet Intelligence. Several items have gone missing from within the Roddenberry Vault in Sansar. It's up to you, Gunters, to help recover these items. Our sources report that our super sleuths should, quote, head to town to find this clue and look at all the stars twinkle, end quote. Remember, Captains, anyone with a PC can play. You do not need a VR headset. For your efforts, you have a chance at winning an Oculus Rift or iPad. Runners-up, get Amazon gift cards. So don't delay. New clues are released three times per week via Twitter at Sansar Official. That's all we have to cover this week in Star Trek Gaming. Now let's look on screen for the fourth episode of Lower Decks. On screen. Computer. Set Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1 Episode 4. Moist Vessel. On screen. A generational ship has just been discovered, and to help tow it into Federation space, the Cerritos joins the USS Merced. Unfortunately, Mariner finds all this boring, and her mother, the captain, wants nothing more than to get rid of her own daughter. But instead of just transferring Mariner, Captain Carol attempts to nudge her by giving her all the worst jobs on the ship. Meanwhile, Ensign Tendi goes on her own wild adventure trying to help a fellow crewman ascend to a higher plane of existence, where Koala's reign with a 
benevolent smile. All right, Captains, this episode was directed by Barry J. Kelly and Juno John Lee and written by, let's see, the written have like seven credits on this one. So it had a whole team and the, the, the staff writer did quite a, quite a big group there. So let's jump in and talk about the episode. Tony, why don't you share with us what you thought? You know, just overall things, your favorite scene, for instance. I, I kind of enjoyed some of the Ensign Tendi stuff. I, I think that one, I think probably I liked better than the main that was clearly the B plot. I liked it better than the A plot. Uh, I, I liked a lot of that stuff. She's trying too hard. I like the trying too hard character. I think that's what it was. And I'm, I'm seeing this more and more. I particularly enjoy how Ransom always puts his leg up on stuff. I am, I am, I am now seeing that that is like that is going to be the recurring visual joke because Ransom is always going to have his leg up on something. So it's the Ransom maneuver. It's the Ransom maneuver. Yeah, I, I, I dig that. I didn't notice that. Now I, it's, it's going to be all I see. Yeah, it's it's there. <laughs> yeah. It's there. If, if you just you have to go back and just watch it. it the, and the animators, I think they they knew what they were doing with this. What about your least favorite scene? This the thing that I predicted would be my least favorite thing back in episode one. I do not like the mother daughter thing. I don't like that. Apparently, no one has figured it out. I don't like that. This is just dumb. Because they're gonna I have some episode. I'm like, how can you not know that yeah. that's her daughter? How do you not know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 it, this should be like disclosed to everybody. It should be like part of the whole. Now you know she's my daughter, right? So I'm not treating her any special. This is just. It's, so, it's so, there's gonna be some big reveal some episode down the road, and everyone's gonna be like, <gasps> what? Uh, no, no, I just don't like it. See, I didn't Carol. read it as that. I read it more as nobody cares. Nobody knows. I, I understood it. I don't. No, I understood it more as nobody brings it up. Yeah, like the the mm. that the, that the at least the senior officer maybe the maybe in lower decks nobody knows, but I think the senior officers do know. Like Ransom seemed to have known when when you know she was venting about it, and he's like, "Well, why don't you just kick her off?" Oh, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to talk out of turn. Maybe. Eh. Eh, no. No, my prediction is that, that she's kept it a secret. And... I don't think Boimler knows. I don't think any yeah, of her no, like clear, mariners yeah, clearly of her friends know. But, yeah. I'd... Yeah, but even with in front of the admirals or whatever, how dare your officers treat us that way with disrespect? I don't know. So what about any thematic takeaways? Anything that, you know, overall reviews of it? And ultimately, what's your one to five star rating of this episode? Again, they've got the Star Trek canon down, right? Like, we found an alien ship, and there's a mysterious goo on board, and that mysterious goo has unanticipated side effects and consequences, and we science the tech to science the science to make it all better. I mean, it, they've got, like, they've got the Star Trek rhythm clearly down, because it just happens automatically. So, I mean, the, the question of, is it Star Trek? Well, yeah, it's doing the holding the mirror up to Star Trek thing just very, very well. You know, but it's it's down from last week's performance. This is, you know, three stars here. Episode three is still the high water mark, I think, for me so far. By the way, I want to say that this was the most Star Trek-themed episode I've seen yet. It felt very TNG to me. From the, from the opening moments where they're doing an actual captain's log, not an impersonation of a captain's log, but an actual captain's log, through to the end, like, they didn't have a skit in the front. They had part of the story as the opening bit. Which doesn't work for me. Oh, you like you prefer it's the actual sketch? It's not TNG. Sketch? The show like is the hard as it's going to try. It's not TNG. Really? I quite I I thought they nailed it. I liked it. I'm telling they've got the formula. No, I'm I'm telling Skippy that's what I say. They've got the formula down. They've demonstrated they know the canon. They've demonstrated they know the Star Trek rhythm, right? They get it. This isn't TNG. This is not that show. They need to be their own thing. And episode 3, that was that's the model. That's that's how they do it. That's how they should do it for the rest of the run. 
I'm I'm gonna go next because I'm hoping that Skiffy and Cat's review is much more. Um, I was trying to keep talking to prevent you from sharing your opinion on this because <laughs> I know where this is going. Good, good, good. I am so sad that the episode that I enjoyed most so far was the one that I couldn't get to talk about uh, last week. Right? I thought, like you, Tony, I thought episode three was the strongest one of this of this season. This episode, as much as I want, as much as I've tried to keep my critiques balanced. This episode was not something I enjoyed. As a matter of fact, I almost I walked away almost angry. <laughs> like I like, oh, like I I just I don't want to watch the show anymore. So, it's absurdity and I go back to this. It's absurdity without purpose. Like I don't un- I don't know what the theme of the episodes are. I don't know what they're tr- what they're trying to show or convey. And I understand your your concept of this is supposed to be junk food. I get that, but junk food is satisfying. You know, jelly beans and junk food—they're satisfying to one degree or another. And I am not feeling satisfied by just watching this episode to these episodes to figure out what the next Easter egg is. And I think it was in after hours that we we hit the nail on the head. And, and Kat, I think you brought it up too. Was that? Yes, Mike McMahon wrote Rick and Morty, which is an incredibly successful show. And then one of the other writers, one of the other original creators went off to do Solar Opposites on Hulu without Dan Harmon. And I think that Dan Harmon is the linchpin to the success of Rick and Morty because I think Dan Harmon grounds it. He grounds Rick and Morty and he could potentially have grounded something like Solar Opposites. And this show just doesn't feel grounded to me. I walked away going, what was any of that about? And if I had to pick a a favorite part of it, yeah, it was following Tendi a little bit. Like, but then that whole, I want to be, I want everybody to like me thing is just kind of, I'm done with it. I'm over it. Everybody's done it. I'm just kind of through with that trope. And yeah, I just, I'm having a really hard time understanding what this show is supposed to do other than say hey look this is star trek and we're going to tell dirty jokes i only know of i only remember one dirty joke and that was the holodeck and they bleeped it yeah. and they bleeped it twice which yeah, it's pretty again, much always pretty much exclusively used for that well but and it, again it supports my theory that bleeping things makes it funnier than actually saying the word because you don't know what he said underneath it you can make your own guesses right Right. Yeah. I, I, this just proves my theory that I've expanded on many times in the other show. Bleeping is funnier. Yes, it can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I, I don't I don't know why we can't have that kind of humor and also have something that makes you walk away and think, you know? I like Rick and Morty does that, and yeah, I'm gonna say it. The Orville does that too. The Orville can be hilarious, but still be a morality play. I don't know why we have to sacrifice that part of Star Trek just for sh- and giggles. Cat, did you like it better than Elio? I did. Okay. But I see what you're saying. Like you feel like you're they're sacrificing the the base intellectual part of Star Trek by doing something like this cuz where's the I mean, yes, there was problem solving with boy with uh, Mariner and her mom, but not really cuz Mariner's like, "I got this, mom. Jeez, trust me for 5 seconds." You know? 
and the last scene with the admiral with the sensors yeah. it completely negated the whole episode well, it's just i loved it i thought it was hilarious i mean it's, it's funny to. it was funny sensor you know definitely but, but, funny because she's like nobody says that they totally make it funny but you know on a real life starship you'd never disrespect your commander like that but remember they have this is episodic they have to she has to be an ensign again at the end of the show it has to do that so, at least till next no, season. Well, that I understand that, but but at least we could have moved forward on the relationship between her and her mother. No, right? No, that, that has to get is reset what I'm too. About. Yeah. It, no, I'm. But so, Cat, what? It is. This is an episodic thing. <laughs> I'm not saying whatever to you. I'm saying I know. whatever to the grander I, scheme. No, I, this, again, this I agree. This just goes back to my theme: the having her be the mom is just a terrible idea. It's just a yeah. terrible idea. So, Cat, what was your favorite scene and moment? In the I episode? liked when the Ascension guy was like. I can't, I'm not ascending, I made that up. <laughs> then you're like, wait, what? It goes through all this to just say, I just wanted to blame you, Tendi, because I couldn't do it. <laughs> it was so crazy. You're my patsy. Yeah. yeah, I know, I didn't see that coming at all. No, it's a good twist, it was a good twist. That's yeah. why I kind of like, I kind of like that plot better than the A plot. Yeah. yeah, but I didn't, I mean, I guess Boimler just gets on my nerves, because I think for his rule, you know, following the rules that guy is, but he just goes crazy, insane, you know, oh, oh, the only way I can get promoted is to be like Mariner. Everybody's an asshole on this ship. <laughs> like, everybody's an asshole. I don't, Tendi is the closest thing, the closest person to not being an asshole, and even that, again, that trope, He's it's nice. just Rutherford's nice. Yeah, except right. except right, except Rutherford's the only no no. I mean, but again, you know, he he was more interested in the elevator than the girl. So I mean, that's kind of I mean, that's not asshole, but it's just kind of self centered, maybe. How many assholes we got on this ship, anyhow? Yo! I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. Keep firing assholes. Remember, just, this is yeah. not your flagship. This is not your. It top doesn't matter. It doesn't have this to is be. Not your your. Yeah, it's it's filled with the rejects. I get it. I get it. And I, I am not opposed to that premise. I'm not. It just, the rejects should find a way to be a part of society, right? They and, have. They, they're and, on a starship. They saved you know, another ship just, in this episode. Yeah. So, Kat, what about any thematic takeaways? Any, I mean, any overall, your overall review and one to five? Oh, okay. What did you uh, my overall, I, I give it a 3.5. It wasn't, it, I, I, it might be, no, nah, I think I liked uh, the third episode maybe a little bit better, but there's closest. They're definitely better than the first two. Yeah, I'll go with that. Go ahead, Skiffy. Tell me how much you love the show. I, I, <laughs> uh, the show as a whole, I adore. At, at this point, I, I'm all in. I'm watching it when it first releases. I'm watching it a second time with my wife, who this is the first Star Trek show that she actually asks to watch. Uh, she loves it. Haven't shown it to the kids yet. I think my kids are a little too young. Some of the jokes would probably, eh, I, not there yet. <laughs> yeah. But it's way better than the other animated series that uh, Star Trek has put forth. <laughs> at, least in, at least in my opinion. I, you know, you're talking about the animated, the actual animated series, right? Yes. The original. I mean, in terms of era, well, yeah, of course. But I would argue, right? Because people, people are going to, I, I can hear it now. Well, what about the Lincoln episodes? And what about DS9 where they're when they're uh, playing chess or they're all, or NTOS when they're all chess pieces and boards? Even the most absurd and attempted to have a point. It makes it so much it more just interesting. Makes it so much more for the listener. <laughs> <laughs> you finished the joke for me. But yes, it makes it so much more interesting for the listener. 
and I just can't find it. I understand that. Now, what I what I will say about episodes three and four, it feels like, I said this last week, it feels like they have gotten past the introductions. The first two episodes felt like too much introduction and not enough story. We've gotten to actual story plots here, I think. Uh, they, they may not be as groundbreaking and as carry the, the, the weight that you're hoping they will. And I can, I think we can cross our fingers and hope that they get to that point a little bit more. But I found this episode very enjoyable, hilarious. I liked both the plots. I'm okay with the relationship between the captain and Mariner. So you have to look over here at the characters' names because I still haven't learned them yet. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I'm, not I'm all, I'm all. Yeah, it's it's really not. Boimler's the only one I can remember at this point. But the sound, no, I, his name sounds like him. Ugh, yeah. Boimler. <laughs> I know, he's such and then even Boimler in this episode, you know. diminishes himself by, you know, wanting to be a dick when Mariner gets promoted before him. I, it just, I, but I kind of get it. Like he, he works his butt off day and night. He, he, he adheres to his schedule. He does exactly what he's supposed to all the time. And here the slacker gets a promotion. And I, I think that makes it clear to your earlier point that he definitely doesn't know that there's a relationship there between the captain and Mariner. I feel like the superior officers do or don't care or don't bring it up at also as you indicated. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. I think it's purposely obfuscated. I, I can, and I know, I'm already going to get, I'm ex- I, I, I half expect Robert to be like, you're so negative. But here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying I don't want a comedy. I'm just saying I want a comedy with substance. Well, no. <laughs> like, I don't think you you're getting that you here. Can, you cannot has. Nope. nope. <laughs> That wraps up this week's on-screen for Star Trek Lower Decks. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, our first community question was, if you're not already playing Star Trek Fleet Command, will this update entice you to start playing? On Twitter, Sec31Trek writes, Nope, tried it, and I already have a Trek game with a learning curve. From Facebook, Matt Spears replied, Yes, starting back on Star Trek Fleet Command, my account from 2018. Our second community question last week was, Now that Lower Decks has three episodes out, are you enjoying the show? Why or why not? From Twitter, J.F. Marin H. said, Once I accepted that Lower Decks, it's just different, I started to like it. Especially the latest episode. The show is getting better, and I see some potential there. See, see, Elio? See? It's just different. See what? It's I just different. I, I get different. It's I understand different. different. I don't... Means you're wrong, 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 wrong. I'm kidding. Wrong, 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 wrong. It's a great day. Also from Twitter, Sec31Trek responded, Lower Decks has gotten better each week, so I'm excited to see more. And lastly from Twitter, Multiverse Tom wrote, I love Lower Decks. It's highly enjoyable. Well, that wraps up episode 476 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. 
Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley and Peter Archibald. And here's a reminder of our community question for this week. Will you be watching Star Trek Discovery when it airs on CBS Terrestrial Broadcast Networks? Will it be your first time viewing the series? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Now, Captains, during these difficult times, the fact that we have patrons still supporting us is a very, very humbling gift. Thank you so much for inviting us into your lives each and every week, and we are very grateful for the ongoing support you give us each and every week. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. A very special thanks to our guest this week, George, from the Star Trek Online community. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, and associate producers, Shane Hoover and Thomas of the Priority One Armada. Together, they help us organize and write up our weekly summary of the headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager and our substitute host last week, Anthony Cox. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. Engage. Funny. You know what says sensors? <laughs> Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.